It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everybody. We had a great one for you here today on this August 7th as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Olenek, uh, which will take place on Saturday, August 8th uh, at the UFC Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, not a whole lot of housekeeping here before we uh, get right into this preview. Uh, I don't know if later today, if we'll have the uh, the main card showdown, some scheduling issues with my work and uh, the schedule of uh, Drew Peterson, but uh, even though we might not have, you know, maybe we'll do it on Saturday morning, um, but there's a possibility we don't have a main card showdown this weekend um, on the air, but there still will be a main card showdown. I will get his picks uh, I'll message him on Snapchat, and we'll both get both of our picks, and we'll post them on Twitter. So uh, we might not have the show, but you know the title. I still think it's a li- you know it's a little iffy. It's a little iffy. We don't know if anybody's going to make weight or anything. So you know it's a little iffy. But I think the title is still a go for uh, this Saturday, uh, as I look for my second defense of the North Star Sports Money Weight Title. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Only housekeeping I had to get to here. Um, so we'll get right into this preview of UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Olenek. Uh, we think, we think there's there's 12 fights on the card. I mean, after last week, I guess you never really know who's going to faint before before this one or who's going to catch the, uh, uh, the COVID-19. So uh, as of right now, as of 2 p.m. on Friday, we do have 12 fights on the card. I noticed a lot of people missed weight for this one, so that's something that we'll... We'll talk about as we uh, hit the fights uh, in in question. Um, five canceled bouts on this one. Uh, normally, I don't talk about the canceled bouts a whole lot, but um, there there actually were some pretty interesting matchups here that I guess we'll talk about. Obviously, it's it's kind of irrelevant because they're not they're not fighting. But uh, we were supposed to have a heavyweight matchup between Sergey Sergey Pavlovich and Cyril Gon. That would have been interesting. I do think. Excuse me, that Cyril Gon. Um, has everything it takes to become uh, a UFC heavyweight champion. I do think that guy is the next breed when you watch him fight. Um, he, he's one of those guys. He might he might come in pretty heavy, but he's a pretty tall guy, and uh, it's it's not fat. That guy is all muscle. You know what I mean. So not a guy who is weighing himself down with you know thirty pounds of excess fat. Uh, so that that would have been interesting. Pavlovich obviously was ranked in the North Star rankings up until a, maybe a month ago. Uh, we also had a bout between Nico Montano, Nico Montano, and uh, Julia Avila. I think Avila would have smoked her, but that's just interesting because Montano was the first ever flyweight champion um, in the women's division. Uh, and then we also had Ketlin Vieira versus um, Yana Kunitskaya, which I think is a much better matchup than what we currently got. But obviously, you know when people fall out fights have to you know have to be made but that would have, that would have been an interesting one because um, what is it it's been a hot minute since Catlin Vieira has fought she hasn't I don't believe she's fought since the Irene Aldana um, loss and that was 
feels like it was a lot. Oh, it was only December of last year. Well, shit, it's August of this year, so you know it's it's been a while since she's she's fought, and it was good God, 21 months um, before that Eldana fight where she had her last fight, a win over um, uh, Kat Zingano. So that's that's interesting. Um, would have liked to because man, if she would have beaten Eldana, she certainly could have got the title shot over. I believe it was Durandami who got the the title shot over over her because she lost um but i don't know even with the win she's scheduled to face renault i guess that's a talker for uh, september's shows but um that's an interesting name to to watch out for but um now that we kind of got through those canceled bounce canceled bouts um we'll start here for the prelim opener um it's a bantamweight fight here between ali al casey i'm sure i'm butchering that ali al casey versus Irwin Rivera. Alcasi is eight and three. Rivera's nine and five. I have the odds somewhere here. I believe these come via Odd Shark. Uh, Rivera's the minus one eighty favorite. Um, not very, not very good records uh, between these two guys for for guys who are relatively young in their UFC career. I think Alcasi um, is making his UFC debut, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, um, he's coming over from Brave uh, Combat Federation, which. Uh, which is interesting because we've been seeing a lot more fighters come from Brave. You know that I believe they started in 2017, and uh, I don't know. They're actually they're they're becoming big time. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I I watch Brave, but um, you know, I mean, they've kind of been halted a little bit by the coronavirus, but they're doing more international shows. So I know early on they did shows in like India and Kazakhstan, but now they're uh, at least they had shows scheduled. Again, the whole the whole Rona kind of messed it up. But in like Romania and Morocco, and you know they're actually becoming big. I don't know who finances them, so that might be the the big mystery as to why they've been growing. But um, I, guess, I suppose that's speculation on my part. But um, you know, was it Munir Lazez? Um, shit, the other guy who uh, got signed because of a of a video. Um, you know, but we, we've been seeing a lot more fighters uh, come over from Brave, so that's that's always interesting. Um, <laughs> so he's won five of his last six. He might have won. See, this th- see this is interesting because he has a result unknown. I've never seen that before in Tapology. Tapology, you know, there's certain websites that I just fucking adore. Um, you know, like Baseball Reference for MLB just perfect like they have stuff from like the Arizona Fall League from like 2004 just like they, they have everything um what is it uh, elite prospects and hockey DB for for uh, NHL like they have p- stats for Drew Peterson when he played fucking sophomore high school hockey like they, they any stat that literally is available out there for hockey they have it uh tapology I prefer them way more um, uh, then SureDog, I don't really care for SureDog's setup. Uh, their, their website looks ugly as shit. Um, not very user-friendly. Um, so I prefer Tapology. I've never seen them not know the result of a fight. That is interesting. And it's from, it's from 2018. So that's interesting. So he may or may not have beaten Chabane Chab- Chibedra. So that's, that's, you know, that's interesting there. That's interesting. Um, again, don't don't know anything about some of these these early guys other than just uh, you know some cursory stuff here. Uh, Irwin Rivera, I know he's made his UFC debut before. 
Um, he he's 31, five foot six, so uh, you know, good size for the division. Because um, he made a, a late notice debut versus Giga Chikadze, lost to him. Um, not gonna not gonna go on any further because I'd just be lying if I said I knew anything about either of these two fighters. I'm gonna go with Erwin Irwin Rivera on this one. He's the favorite. At least he's made his UFC debut, so you know maybe he's gotten the the jitters out of the way. Not very interested in this fight, uh, to be frank. Uh, moving on here on the prelims, we have Yusuf Zalal taking on Peter Barrett in the featherweight division. Zalal nine and two, Barrett eleven and three. Uh, odds for this one, uh, Zalal is the biggest favorite on the card, tied for the biggest favorite on the card, excuse me, uh, minus 450. Um, yeah, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm going with uh, the Moroccan devil, Yusuf Zalal, uh, on this one. He's 2-0 in the UFC, got a win over Austin Lingo in his, in his UFC debut, another unanimous decision victory over Jordan Griffin in uh, June. And, you know, pretty good striking. Um, I remember him kind of putting it on Jordan Griffin uh, in that fight. Just looking at his record, doesn't really look like he has a whole lot of finishing ability, um, you know, over over his last few fights. But uh, somebody like Peter Barrett, um, I don't know, old, old, old slippery Pete over here. Uh, 33-5-9, 73-inch reach, uh, reach, which uh, that's that's pretty significant for this uh, division coming off of the contender series, uh, he beat Sang Hoon Yu. Um, yeah, don't know anything about him. I he does have a fair amount of losses in his in his last couple of fights, last few fights, uh, excuse me, over in uh, Cage Titans. Uh, all by finishes, all by finishes. So that's probably not a good sign that you're getting finished uh, before you get to the UFC. But uh, you know, with these coronavirus cards, you know, sometimes you just got to fill the cards with uh, whoever you can get. So uh, we'll go Yusuf Zalal on this one as he will move to 3-0 in the UFC and 3-0 in the year of 2020. Uh, Interesting fight here, still on the prelims here at 145. Justin Janes taking on Gavin Tucker. Um, Let's see. keep losing my odds here. Uh, So again, for this one, again, I don't know how these odds are possible. But Justin Janes is the minus 150 favorite. Tucker is the minus 125 favorite. So it doesn't make sense to me how the odds could be different for both fighters. I've, I kind of thought they went hand in hand, but uh, whatever. I'm not a fucking odd shark employee, so I don't quite understand how that works. But uh, this one, this one's interesting. Justin Janes, uh, this was the guy who maybe a little more than a month ago he made his UFC debut uh, and knocked out uh, Frank Camacho. Um, yep, that uh, uh, June 20th card. Which card was that exactly? Was that uh, oh, Blades versus Volkov? So uh, he made his UFC debut versus Camacho. Absolutely starched him in uh, 41 seconds. So, you know, I don't know. Ordin- ordinarily, I would look at a guy like this and just kind of go, eh, whatever. But I don't know. I mean, Anything's possible. So, like, comma worthy comes to mind. Like, I'm, Gavin Tucker's not the the end-all, be-all. He's not ranked. He's, he's never been a champ. You, you know what I mean? But, like, how you win really, really matters. You know what I mean? This is not the NBA. This is not the NFL. 
You know what I mean? You can have a boring performance and win by a field goal, but you still won. That's the only thing that matters. And to some degree, yeah, winning is the only thing that matters in, in the UFC, but how you win is is still pretty important. So, you know, having that type of performance in your UFC debut, and then if you can come out and have another really solid performance, well, now your third fight's going to be something, you know, something special. Now your third fight, you know, people are going to care about it. It's going to be... It's going to be on a main card uh, opener. It's going to be the featured bout on on the prelims. You know, it, good things are going to happen. Like, case in point, you know, comma worthy. Nobody knew who this guy was. His record was dog shit. You know what I mean? He was coming in just to get smoked by Devonta Smith. Knocks him out, comes back, knocks out uh, Luis Pena. Okay, I don't know what's next for comma worthy, but I can tell you it's going to be something pretty fucking cool. And that guy's a legitimate... I'm not going to say contender because he's not ranked, but that he's a legitimate tour de force. You know what I mean? Like, so with with somebody like Justin James, you kind of go, well, he was 30 before he got to the UFC. That's not super old, but, you know, this guy has a lot of fights on, like, the regional level. He's fought in, you know, Bellator, and he's fought in Big John's MMA. Big John's MMA. Uh, Rumble on the water. You know what I mean? So just a guy who kind of surfs around from promotion to promotion, but... You know what I mean? We've seen plenty a uh, high-level prospect come into the sport and just fizzle out. So it's kind of weird because there's not really like a rhyme. Well, there is a rhyme or a reason, reason, but there's not like... Fuck, I don't know. Like once you get to the UFC, I mean, courses go different directions. You know what I mean? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm genuinely pretty interested in this one. Uh, Tucker's been pretty inactive uh, over, uh, maybe the last two or three years. So he fought on the 240 card between Holloway and, uh, Edgar. He was coming back from nearly a two-year layoff off of a loss from Rick Glenn at the 215 card, which both, both of those were in Edmonton. Um, so kind of, kind of tough to, to gauge where he is. Cause I know that, uh, I know, I know that Canadian fans really like this guy, and so I know that there's some degree of hype with this guy. But it's really tough to, it's really tough to figure out like, okay, where is he? You know, he's only had three fights in the UFC, uh, but he's only had three fights since July of 2016. Rick Glenn's a pretty fucking tough challenge for your second fight in the UFC. I can tell you that much. I don't know what the fuck he's doing these days, or if, he actually might even still be in the UFC. But, you know, Rick, Rick Glenn's, you know, he's, he's a tough fighter. And I have no fucking idea who Sung Woo Ch- Choi is. So, you know, he just beat up some can as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, I don't know. How, how will he react? Uh, I have no idea. Personally, I'm going to go with the far active fighter in Justin James, who's coming off of the big victory. Uh, I, I say he carries that momentum. I've been burned by picking Pena over Kama Worthy. So I don't want to make the same mistake uh, with a similar situation here so I'm gonna go with Justin Janes uh, because picking picking the correct fight is very very important to me I might not do a shit ton of research on some of these fights that don't matter but you know what I mean my 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 pick percentage is on the line here I'll tell you what my pick percentage took a major fucking dipperoni on the last fucking fight card it went from like 64.8 to 63 and a half because we went three and five you know what I mean? And that can't happen. Like, I'm really trying to, I'm really trying to get, I'd be happy with nine. If I could get nine out of these 12 correct, 
I think that'd be a good rebound performance. But you know what I mean? I I, I just can't have another three and five is really fucking bad. And yeah, it was I could make excuses. It was a weird card. Weird shit happened. But you know what I mean? It, excuses don't matter when it comes to the percentages. I gotta I gotta get it right. So I'm gonna go Justin James on this one. Uh, we have another sort of blase fight here in the middleweight division. Andrew Sanchez taking on Wellington Terman. Sanchez is 11 and five. Terman is 16 and three. Terman is the minus 160 favorite. Uh, this one, this one again. These are the fights. Even though I think percentage-wise, I do better on prelim fights than I do on main card fights. I don't know how I do better on uh, on prelim fights. Prelim fights are hard as shit to pick. Because it's, I mean, sometimes it's easy. Because sometimes it's like, oh, this is a surefire prospect against a can for him to beat up. But in the UFC, that doesn't really happen a whole lot. So, like, I don't know. Andrew Sanchez, what is it? He won the Ultimate Fighter uh, one, of those, one of those seasons. So, he's a talented guy. He's had three losses here um, in the UFC. Yeah, so he won season 23. Uh, you know what I mean? But he's got some... Some tough losses here. Uh, Anthony Smith, kind of before he blew up, uh, gave him his first UFC loss. He has a loss to Marvin Vittori, but his wins are just not really, not really that impressive. Mark Andre Barrio is one of the worst fighters I've probably seen in the middleweight division. Um, shouldn't be in the UFC. He also popped for steroids, I believe, uh, this week. Um, so that's interesting. Marcus Perez, meh. Trevor Smith, eh. Khalil Roundtree when he was four and zero. Meh, you know what I mean? Like, Roundtree's a good fighter. He's a talented fighter, kind of going 500 these days. But, you know, still a, a, a talented, dangerous fighter. But, you know, 4-0. I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't know what to say about Andrew Andrew Sanchez. He's only 32. So, I mean, I guess we'll see how that, that goes. Does train out at TriStar, which is probably the best gym in, in the world, if I have to be honest. Uh, I know, uh, you know, Kevin Lee and Johnny Walker moved there and then promptly lost their first fight for TriStar. But to be honest, I don't know. And, there, and there's plenty of good camps, you know what I mean? Extreme Couture, uh, Matt Hume, whatever the fuck his shit's called up in uh, uh, in, in Seattle. Obviously, AKA, um, uh, Jackson's ATT. But for my, for my money... I don't know. For us, Zahabi's a fucking genius. So for my money, TriStar is, is probably the best gym uh, in the world. So, you know, that's that's uh, a big thing in, in his in his favor. Wellington Terman, 24 years old, uh, six foot tall. Uh, he, he's one and one in the UFC. So he lost his UFC debut by split decision to Carl Roberson, came back and beat Marcus Perez. So, you know, they do have a, a common opponent uh, in Marcus Perez, Sanchez, uh, and, uh, and, um, Terman both beat him. I'm going to go Terman on this one. I don't really have a rhyme or reason, to be honest. He just might be the more talented fighter. I think that's probably, uh, fair. Uh, but looking, looking at his record, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. There's some, you know, cause this is a fun thing to do because, uh, it, it's tough to tell how fighters will translate once they go from like regional MMA to, you know, a, a real promotion. And I always try to look at the records of their opponents. Now, it's not always perfect. Again, context is, is a major thing. But uh, there's a funny a funny fight here in UOC7. Eight, an 8-1 eight Wellington Terman 
took on a 0-11 Clayton Butiski. So, that, you know, that's interesting. Maybe not facing the, the toughest of, of opponents. You know what I mean? It's, it's always funny to look at Russian fighters, um, you know, and, and their rec- the, the record of their opponents that they beat in Russia because chances are they are largely, largely dog shit. Um, so, yeah, we'll go Wellington tournament. I don't, I don't really have a strong rhyme or reason. Just kind of a gut feeling. Just probably the more, more talented fighter. Uh, moving on here, still on the prelims, we have a lightweight bout here between Nasrat Hakparask and Alex Munoz Hakparask. Good God, I struggle. I used to, if you can believe it or not, I used to be good at pronouncing last names, but now I'm just terrible. And anybody from the Eastern Hemisphere, I'm just, I'm just going to issue a blanket statement right now for just fucking up your name in perpetuity. I just can't pronounce. Nasrat Hakparast taking on Alex Munoz. Um, and this is interesting. So if you remember Alex Munoz, this was the guy who uh, fought Nick Newell on the Contender Series, the guy who has, uh, the gentleman who has one arm, who's now fighting, I believe still in Bellator. Uh, last I know he was in Bellator. Um, so he, he fought him. This is a guy who I believe is a product of um, uh, Team Alpha Male. I guess that's one of the teams I left off of my... Uh, best gyms in the world list sorry about that because they are one of the one of the best gyms in the world no doubt uh and and fuck it we'll throw uh, we'll throw sanford mma out there for Derek brunson and we'll throw um uh mark henry up in new jersey or down in new jersey i guess we're here we're up here in minnesota we're on, we're on a we're on a higher parallel than you guys we're on the we're on the 45th parallel i think or at least saint paul is um so kind of interesting i mean you know getting five and oh before you come in the ufc that's not a whole lot of experience um so that you know that's that's going to be a a bit of an adjustment period um but he but he has taken on some some good opponents um you know on on uh on the regional scene i think nick newell's a, a pretty solid fighter on on the regional scene you know what i mean obviously the not having two arms thing is I could under see. I can understand understand Uncle Dana's trepidation about putting Nick Newell in the UFC, which is why he put him in the Contender Series. Because, you know, it's unfortunate he's a good fighter. God bless. I wish him all the best. I hope he be- honestly. I do hope he becomes champion in Bellator. It's just kind of weird, man. Like, he only has one arm. So if he, if he gets a, I forget which arm he doesn't have. But if if he gets a head kick to the side, he doesn't have an arm and he can't block it, and he gets viciously knocked out, like you would kind of feel bad about that happening, you know what I mean? So it's a delicate a delicate situation, you know, cuz I mean it's a, it's a feel good story. He is an inspiration, you know, and it's it's just kind of kind of weird, man, cuz if he takes an ass beating, you know, there's a there's a compassion side of it that I could understand. I see I can understand both sides of the argument, which is why I'm not again, I never I never tell anybody not to fight. I would I don't even tell BJ Penn not to fight. I'll give my opinion, but I would never tell anybody not to fight. If they want to fight, I don't give a fuck. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of an interesting um, storyline there with uh, with Alex Munoz. But what, what I can remember from watching his fight with uh, Nick Newell, uh, if I remember correctly, he's, uh, he's kind of a wrestler. Um, you know what I mean? So I guess that kind of fits the mold of, um, of a team alpha male fighter. Uh, Nasrat Hakparast. This this is a guy who uh, is is a legitimate prospect. He suffered uh, a setback. Jesus Christ, my computer's going crazy. Uh, he suffered a setback uh, in his last fight. What was it? He got knocked out by Drew Dober. 
Yep, there we go. Memory serves right. Yep, so in on the McGregor Cerrone card, he got knocked out by Drew Dober, who I want to say he's number 13 in the lightweight rankings, according to North Star Sports. Could be wrong. Could be could be number 14, uh, but I'm pretty sure he's 13. So, you know, you, you lost to a surging Drew Dober. You know, not, not the end of the world. I, I still think he's a solid prospect, uh, you know, a solid guy. I mean, a, a win over Mark Jacasey when he was kind of on his little slump, a win over uh, Thibaut Godi. Again, I'm sure I butchered that name, but I don't speak French. And then he had, he had a really nice knockout, I remember, over uh, Joaquim Silva. That was a really vicious knockout because that was when I first, you know, kind of committed to memory uh, hack parast. So this this is interesting. I mean, he's, he's clearly going to have the experience over Munoz. I mean, he has twice as many fights. Um, I don't know. I'm sure I could find it somewhere where he trains. Oh, he trains at TriStar. Okay, so I was going to say Munoz might have the coaching advantage, but you know what I mean? If, if Faraz Sahabi's in your corner, well, you know, then that's going to, you know, I'll give the coaching advantage. There's no coaching matchup where I would say anybody has the advantage over Zahabi. Um, Nasrat is the minus 250 favorite here. Um, and I got to say that's fair. So I'm going to go with Hack Parast. I just think, obviously, he's faced tougher talent. He's probably had five UFC fights at this point. So, you know, maybe some parallels could be drawn between, uh, you know, the early parts of Nasrat's UFC career and Alex Munoz because Nasrat was also a guy with a lot of hype who came in the UFC. Um, you know what I mean? Probably at 6-0, and 7-0. Uh, again, I'm sure I could look that up, you know, really quick here. Uh, yeah, came into the UFC at seven and one, so I mean, I guess he had a little more experience, but two fights, whatever. So uh, we'll we'll go Nasrat, but I, I do think Alex Munoz is probably somebody to watch out for. Um, you know what I mean? Anytime, anytime you're a decent wrestler and and you know a team alpha male guy, I I do think that that's a real a real thing, you know, with getting favors, which is why, like, uh, what was it? Uh, I was listening to the Anakin Florian podcast, or maybe it was it was also, man, I forget where it was. It probably was that. I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, you know, but talking about how Matt Sarah's trying to talk to Dana when they were in Abu Dhabi about getting Aljamain Sterling the, the next title shot. I think that's a real thing. Now, with Aljamain, you know, he is the rightful number one contender no matter where he's from and no matter who his coach is. But I do think it's a real a real thing, you know, connections that you can make in MMA and, you know, favors that could be done, you know, because of because of said connections. Obviously, you got to do some of the work for yourself, but, you know, I think that's a, a real thing when you're associated with, you know, certain brands and and uh, and, and certain stuff like that. Uh, well, I guess by brands, I mean, like, camps and, and things like that, so maybe maybe should have clarified that. But, yeah, we'll go, we'll go with NASRAP um, by unanimous decision. doesn't matter because it's not on the main card. Uh, moving on here, we have a middleweight fight between Kevin Holland and Joaquim Buckley. Holland seventeen and five, Buckley ten and two. Uh, Holland is the prohibitive minus four fifty favorite. I don't know anything about Buckley. I'll quickly click on his page. Uh, terrible nickname. Uh, he's he's twenty six, five ten, so a little short for uh, for middleweight. Uh, coming out of uh, Bellator, has a couple of losses in Bellator. Um, also, also two wins in uh, LFA. Don't know anything about him. All I know is that Kevin Holland. You know what? I, I guess I didn't have this planned, and now that I think about it, I should have. Uh, but we're gonna make this the lock of the week. We're gonna make Kevin Holland the lock of the week. It's time now 
for the mailman's lock of the week. So again, don't know a whole lot about Buckley, but Kevin Holland, the trailblazer, one of my favorite fighters. I even said it on uh, last fight's uh, preview. I think he, I think right now Kevin Holland is a top five striker in the middleweight division. This guy's striking is so next level. 6'3", 81-inch reach. It's just another, it's another level. Now, it, it sucks because this is a, not a late replacement, I guess, but a, a, a late fight to come together obviously because of the situation that happened with Trevin Giles last week and him fainting um I would really 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 like to see a step up in competition for Holland now obviously he'll take any fight he can get currently because of the situation uh that, that's going on in the UFC and with him personally but his striking is so good I don't see this fight getting out of the first round I don't see this fight even being remotely close again I don't know maybe Buckley's a good wrestler I have no clue but I'll, I'll tell you what there's I mean, Izzy's a better striker. Anderson's a better striker. <sighs> Whitaker's a better striker. I mean, I don't know. We're talking about really top guys, but but Kevin Holland, if and he has been working on his ground game. He's been doing a lot more of these uh, like submission uh, grappling tournaments and and things like this. It looks like from his tapology page. So uh, you know, really, it looks like he's really committing to rounding out the game. But I can tell you, he's miles ahead of you know a lot of his opponents in in striking you know had a had a really early really nice knockout over Anthony Hernandez in May and this is a guy who it wouldn't shock me if he won two or three fights in in really quick succession and got ranked because you know again I'm not trying to make it seem like he's a world beater here but you know until he gets to a certain level he might just be able to blow through a lot of these opponents that UFC will keep feeding him until he gets into the ranking. So it wouldn't shock me. You know, he tried to make the quick turnaround. It ended up being three months because of the cancellation. Uh, but again, he was supposed to fight two weeks after that Hernandez win versus Daniel Rodriguez, and that that one got canceled for a reason I, I forgot. But, you know, he, he's an active, an active fighter and a great striker. So I say it, it doesn't even go out of the first round in this one. He's, he's going to knock out... Uh, Joaquin Buckley. Uh, moving on here, uh, and I think that was the um, oh no, excuse me. So this is the this is the featured prelim bout. It's uh, a fight here between Tim Means and Loriano Staropoli. Uh, both of these fighters missed weight. Tim Means missed weight by one and a half pounds because he weighed in at one seventy two and a half. Uh, Staropoli weighed in I believe at 174 and a half which is just disrespectfully disrespectfully over the limit um so I wonder how that works I wonder I mean you they both missed weight so you don't forfeit your purse to each other do they forfeit their purse to the UFC or do they just keep their purse uh I mean you got to punish them for missing weight right so I would I would assume the UFC would keep their their like 20% of their purse but Shit, I have no idea how that works if both uh, miss, to be honest. Uh, huge step up in competition here for uh, Loriano Staropoli. Tim the Dirty Bird means, I mean, you're going to have a tough time finding fighters with more experience than than Tim means. 29-12-1, you know what I mean? So he's, he's closing in on 45 fights uh, total. Um, 
you know, been losing a lot more than he's been winning uh, the, the last few years. Uh, let's see, he's one, two, three, four, five. He's five and eight in his last, uh, well, five. Wait a minute. Oh, God. I, I need a second cup of coffee. I had my first cup of coffee. Uh, he's won, he's lost five of his last eight. Excuse me. That's what I, that's what I meant to say. Um, but again, looking at it, you know, kind of decent opponents. Um, but I, we, I think we all agree he's, he's probably on the, on the downswing of his career. A very, very active fighter, um, you know, over the last five years. Uh, you look at Staropoli. I mean, I'm sure the UFC would love if this guy, um, you know, could string together some wing, some wins and, uh, you know, cause I know he was hyped really hard, hyped really hard. Which fight was it? Oh boy. Um, man, which one was it? What? It wasn't 237. So it must've been, must've been his fight with Muslim Salikov. That one was in Singapore. Maybe I'm thinking of a different person, but I know they'd really like if, the, if, you know, they had more South American, uh, fighters who were relevant. Um, and I guess when I say South American, I mean, non-Brazilian, you know what I mean? Like, uh, for, for the longest time, and, and this still very well could be a possibility, but for the longest time, you know, like, oh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, you know, Argentinian, he's a dark horse, like, you know what I mean? And I, I guess injuries have kind of derailed his career. I don't know. He beat Neil Magny in November of 2018, but I don't think he's fought since then. So, you know, Loriano Staropoli, he might be the, the next, the next big hope for, you know, Argentina. So, uh, you know, kind of interesting. You know, he's 27. Uh, he is coming off of that loss, uh, like I said, to uh, Muslim Salikov. Super underrated fighter. What is it? He just he just had a win over uh, Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos. But, uh, yeah, Staropoli. You know what? It actually might have been 237 because that was when he took on Tiago Alves. And, and uh, that's a, a pretty big name for him to, to take on in his second UFC fight. So, um, you know, he had a couple of canceled bouts here in 2020, so he's going to be making his first fight in uh, this calendar year. Um, and man, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to go with Staropoli on this one. Um, I don't believe I read the odds for this one. So he's the, he's the minus 135 favorite. So, I mean, kind of a kind of a pick 'em. Um, you know what I mean? 135 doesn't really mean a whole lot, but we'll, we'll go with Staropoli. You know, getting a, a win over, um, well, I wouldn't say a well-known fighter, but, you know, a pretty active, respected UFC fighter. Uh, moving on here, we'll move on to the main card. So the main card opener uh, is Benil Dariush and Scott Holtzman. Uh, I believe both. No, no, no. Holtzman, I think, made weight, and Dariush for sure missed weight. I think he weighed in at 158, which, again, is pretty high um let me consult the old north star sports rankings here i think dariush is ranked uh yep so he's the number 15 fighter in the lightweight division uh that's benil dariush uh he comes in with a record of 18 4 and 1 holtzman uh kind of surging at, at 14 and 3 uh we look at the odds for this fight by odds shark um He's a, a, a Darius is the minus 175 favorite. And uh, this one's kind of interesting. You know, low key, Darius is on a, a very, very good um, four fight winning streak. So he kind of had that three fight 
setback around 2017-2018. Had a knockout loss to Barboza, a knockout loss to Hernandez, and a draw with Evan Dunham. Comes back, gets a decision win over Thiago Moises, who that win that one's looking better as time goes on because Moises beat uh, Michael Johnson. Uh, he gets a submission win in early 2019 over Drew Dober. Look at Drew Dober, you know what I mean? Now he's 13, uh, number 13 ranked in the lightweight division, and he's on a three-fight finish streak. Uh, a win over Frank Camacho, that's not that's not a good win, but, you know, a win over Frank Camacho, and then a win over Dracar Close. So, you know, he's still in the rankings at 15. He's on, he's on that win streak. Um, he's facing a guy who definitely is not in the rankings, but uh, will be a, a tough task for him in, in Scott Holtzman. Um, more of a bigger opportunity for Holtzman because Holtzman potentially could be ranked after this fight if he gets a win. I would say probably not, but he, but he could because if you beat the number 15 guy, then, you know, by some logic, uh, you are the number 15 guy. Um, Darius, I guess, is just trying to solidify his number 15 spot here, but it, it's certainly Holtzman with the... With, uh, the bigger opportunity here now he's 36 years old so he is starting to get over the hill um but he's on a, he's on a two-fight winning streak but you know time is definitely a factor here for scott scott holtzman uh i believe he was a former hockey player um as well but uh the two-fight winning streak includes jim miller and dong young ma um you know what i mean but uh i don't know I've always kind of been impressed with uh, Scott Hol- Scott Holtzman um, in his performances, uh, specifically the the Alan Patrick and Dong Young Ma fight. I understand not the not necessarily the, the the highest level of opponents, so this is probably the best opponent that he's faced outside of Josh Emmett uh, early on in in his UFC tenure. Um, but this is tough, though. I'm going to go with Benil Dariush on this one over uh, Scott Holtzman. But, again, it wouldn't wouldn't really shock me if Scott Holtzman won. Uh, Dariush, I don't know, just he just has the higher experience. He's on he's on a better winning streak. I mean, I, I don't I don't really know what the, the ceiling is for uh, Holtzman. And Dariush, he's certainly older in – well, actually, no, they both really have the same amount of experience. So, you know, same amount of experience, but, you know, Darius still surprisingly only 31 years old, so that's that's kind of interesting. I would have figured he was a, a little bit older, so uh, we'll go with Benil Dariush uh, to win this one. Moving on here, still on the main card, we have a uh, women's bantamweight fight between Yana Kunitskaya and uh, Julia Stoliarenko. Kuniskaya 12 and 5, Stoliarenko 9, 3 and 1. Uh, Kunitskaya is the minus 225 favorite. Um, Kunitskaya most notably had that uh, uh, UFC debut title fight versus Chris Cyborg, uh, which kind of speaks to how shitty uh, the 145 division is. 145 is certainly not her weight class, um, even though she is 5 foot 8. Uh, but she's only 30. She is coming off of a loss to uh, Aspen Ladd, um, but but been in been in the UFC for four fights. Um, you know what I mean. Rebounded after the Cyborg loss with wins over Lena Landsberg and Marion Renault. Uh, Stolyarenko she fought in the 
Oh, what's she, she fought in the Ultimate Fighter? I forget what season, but it was a season where they had the women's featherweight uh, with like Macy Chasson and 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 fighters like that. Um, she didn't win it. She did not win it. But uh, after being in the Ultimate Fighter, she uh, had five fights. Um, one of them in uh, Invicta, a win over Lisa Verzosa. Verzosa. Jesus, tough names. Um, who is a legitimate, legitimate uh, women's mixed martial art prospect. But three wins. Three wins by sub 30 second arm bars. So that's a little interesting. I wonder what that's about. It smells a little fishy uh, to me. But, um, you know, certainly has a, a fair amount of experience. Um, way, way more than her record lets on. Cause she's had a lot of uh, amateur fights and fights that haven't counted for um, whatever reason here. But a battle of uh, Eastern Europe. She's from Lithuania. Kunitskaya from Russia. Uh, yeah, let me pull up the old North Star Sports rankings here because Kuniskaya uh, is definitely ranked. She's ranked number eight. So, uh, very big opportunity. This is essentially, essentially, now I, I think the fight's going to play out differently because I think Kuniskaya is going to win. But this is the same, rank rankings-wise, this is the same as Yuri Prohaska making his debut versus the number seven Volkan Uzdemir. So, Maybe they just can't find a fight for Kunitskaya, or maybe this is... I mean, it certainly wasn't the first choice because she was supposed to f- take on uh, Ketlin Vieira, but a really, really, really big opportunity here for Stoliarenko because if she wins, uh, she's going to be in the top 10 for sure of the women's bantamweight division. Um, and, you know, after after your UFC debut to be ranked in the top 10, uh, that would be massive. Um, but I think she'll lose. I think Kun- uh, Kunitskaya... Um, just just has more uh, high level experience. Um, probably probably the better kickboxer um, between the two. So uh, we'll go Yana Kunitskaya, of course by decision because it's uh, a female fight and statistically most of those uh, end up going the distance. Uh, moving on here in the middleweight division in the featured bout on the main card, we have Darren the Dentist Stewart taking on uh, Maki. Coconut bombs, Patolo, uh, Stewart eleven and five, Patolo thirteen and five. Stewart's the minus one fifty favorite. Um, a lot of parallels to be drawn here for for sure. Um, two guys with pretty pretty bad records, um, but really heavy hands. So this is interesting. I could see why they made it the featured bout. Uh, somebody's getting knocked the fuck out in this fight. I feel pretty confident uh, in saying this. Now, uh, Darren Stewart, uh, he's, he's a, a UK fighter from East London, which not, not, the, not, the, not the best place in, in the Western Hemisphere or, or in, uh, in, in the, uh, not the Western Hemisphere, but the um, developed world, not the, not the greatest part of London. Um, but he has a lot of power, I'll tell you that much. Um, Kind, he's he's winning two fights for every fight he's winning these days, but uh, really really struggled early on in his UFC career. Had a no contest in his UFC debut back in 2016. Uh, he lost three fights in a row to uh, Francis Marbahosa, Carl Roberson, and Julian Marquez, uh, getting finished in the in the last of those two fights. Um, 
Then, com- then coming back and finishing Eric Spicely and Charles Bird, again, two guys who don't belong in the UFC, went to a split decision loss with Edmund Shabazian, which is interesting, comes back uh, two decision victories over Bevan Lewis and Duran Wynn, so pretty low-level UFC competition, at least at that point in their career. Um, Duran Wynn, who should be a lightweight. And then he was supposed to fight on the UFC London card, which was going to be headlined by Woodley and Edwards, but the coronavirus hit, uh, and that was right after it hit. That was like right around when the UFC shut down, and the UFC allowed him to fight in Cage Warriors. So he took on Bartos Fabinski, who also was a UFC fighter. Uh, I don't know if they were supposed to face each other. Actually, no, yeah, they, they were supposed to face each other on that, and then they just got signed, I guess, by Cage Warriors for a one-fight deal, I guess. I don't really know how that worked. Um, and he lost that one by decision. That was a really bloody fight. That was a that was a really good fight from what I remember. Really bloody. I think I think he elbowed Fabinski and he, he opened up a nasty cut on Fabinski. It was really bloody. Um, you know, so he's coming off of a loss here, gonna take on Maki Patolo. Uh I don't really know how I feel about Maki Patolo. I don't really think he's that good of a fighter, if I'm being honest. Uh, he's only twenty nine, so again, time to develop, but you know, uh he, he, he came onto the contender series in season three. Uh, he knocked out Justin Sumter, and then he took on Callan Potter in uh, in Australia on the UFC 243 card, um, and he lost a unanimous decision. Now, I don't think Callan Potter is that good of a UFC fighter, because you look at his record, not very good. Comes back, he knocks out Charles Bird, retires Charles Bird. Again, Charles Bird has a record of 10-7, and 7. so, you know, there's kind of a weird thing going on here in the UFC where we just kind of allow low-level fighters to fight other pretty low-level fighters. Um, so this one's interesting. Not not going to be the most technical fight of all time. Don't envision it will it will uh, include a whole lot of wrestling. Um, but I, I do think th- somebody will get knocked out. I do think somebody will get knocked out, so at least that's interesting. Um, I'm going to go with Darren Stewart to win this one. Don't really know why. They're, I don't feel strongly about either of these two fighters uh, in, a, in a positive way, certainly. So um, it, it's tough, but I'm going to go Darren Stewart um, by knockout. I don't know. We'll go We'll go second-round knockout, I guess. I don't know. It's probably not what I'm going to pick for um, uh, the main card showdown, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'd be really disappointed if that fight was a stinker because, you know, it's not, not between... Not, 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 not between two top-level fighters. Not a whole lot of ramifications for either of these guys. Uh, now, moving on here in the co-main event, we have uh, Chris Weidman taking on Omari Akhmedov. Weidman is 14-5. and Akhmedov is 24-1. and uh, Pulling up the rankings here at uh, middleweight. Akhmedov is the number 10 middleweight. Chris Weidman is not ranked because he has lost... Four of his last five fights by v- vicious knockout. See, there's there's losing a fight by TKO, and then there's losing a fight via a Chris Weidman knockout. Chris Weidman knockouts are highlight knockouts, and he pretty much every single one of his losses are just brutal highlight knockout losses. Um, again, like I said earlier in the show, I don't ever tell anybody they should not fight. I, I don't have any power. I'm not a commission. I can't physically stop Chris Weidman from fighting. If he wants to keep fighting, go ahead. I don't care. It's not my brain. Uh, I will say it's a 
fucking terrible idea for Chris Weidman to be fighting. Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, he has. Here's the thing. Chris Weidman has literally nothing left to prove in this sport, okay? It was a little interesting when he moved up to 205 because then when you switch divisions, it's kind of like you get a clean, uh, you know, a clean easel. So the potential to be a two-division weight champion was interesting, but that ship has sailed. Um, He has nothing to prove. And for Chris, I don't know why he's still fighting. Maybe he needs money. Maybe he wants to get the, the belt back. I don't know why he fights. I don't pretend to know why he fights. But let's let's say his goal is to become champion again. Dude, he's not even fucking ranked. He's not even fucking ranked. And he's been knocked out so many fucking times. Chris Weidman would honestly have to win probably five fights in a row to, to get another crack at the title. Like, he would have to go on such a fucking tear. Number one, he's old. So he doesn't have a lot of time to do that. He's 36, you know what I mean? So he has a hell of a time making 185. He got knocked out in his 205 debut. Like, he would have to win like four or five, five, four or five fights, and, and that's just not going to happen. That's absolutely not going to happen. He can barely get a win. He can barely get a win. The only win he's had since May of 2015 was a win over Kelvin Gastelum, who's a fucking lightweight. Kelvin Gastelum in no... I don't care if he had a good performance against Israel Adesanya. I don't care what anybody says. If Kelvin Gastelum even remotely cared about his diet, he'd be a, a 170 or uh, at a minimum, potentially a, a world champion lightweight. He's five foot nine, and Weidman is six foot three. So I'm not very impressed by you beating a midget uh, in, in a middleweight fight. So he lost the belt to Rockhold, took a brutal, brutal beating by Rockhold, got viciously, viciously knocked out by Yoel Romero in front of his home crowd, got knocked out by Gegard Mousasi in a bad way, got knocked out in a really bad way by Jacare Souza, and then got knocked out again by Dominic Reyes. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's kind of sad because this guy most certainly is going to have major health problems in the next 10 to 15 years as a result of his fighting. There's no fucking way this guy should still be fighting. Now, does he get knocked out by Akhmedov? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I don't I don't think of Akhmedov as that knockout artist. He's, he's younger. Uh, he tends to win mostly by uh, decisions. Uh, his last his last knockout win, uh, or yeah, his last finish win uh, that didn't come via his opponent having an injury came back in 2013. Uh, he had a, a, a TKO win over some gentleman whose name I can't pronounce. So this is a quote-unquote safe fight for Chris Weidman because his opponent hasn't had a knockout win in seven years. But I don't know. His chin is washed. His chin is so bad. You know what I mean? And again, this guy has accomplished more than most people will, more than most fighters will. So he has nothing to prove. This guy's been a, this guy's been a champion before. This guy's defended the belt. He, he had three title defenses, Silva, Machida, and Belfort. So like, I don't know, man. He should just hang it up. There's nothing to prove. You're just going to take more damage. He'll get a nice payday for this fight. I guarantee it. He'll probably make a quarter of a million dollars before taxes. I'm sure he's going to get paid very handsomely. But even though Akhmadov doesn't really have power, 
wouldn't shock me. That wouldn't shock me in the slightest if he knocked out Weidman. Uh, I for sure am going to go Omari Akhmedov on this one. Weidman's the minus 140 favorite, which is fucking ridiculous. That's just, that's crazy. They're scamming you, dude. That's a ripoff. That's a fucking ripoff. If you bet minus 140 Weidman, bro, you got as much CTE as Weidman does. So it's it's a tough one. It's probably going to be a very sad night because we're going to have to watch Chris Weidman get fucking scooped off the canvas like he got, you know, ran over by a cartoon steamroller, uh, you know, just because he can't let go of his fighting career. There's so many things. He's such a marketable name. You know what I mean? He could go into coaching, and I think he'd be a great coach. He could maybe do some desk work or, or, or something, but Jesus, he is just not built to be a fighter, you know, in, in 2020. I mean, there's just been way too much that's happened to the guy. I'm not saying I'm rooting against him. I'm, I certainly am not rooting against him, nor am I rooting against Akhmadov, but uh, th- this co-main event is almost more depressing than Shogun and, and Nogueira 3, so... I don't know, that's tough, but I am certainly picking Omari uh, to win this one, which leads us here to our main event of the evening. It's a heavyweight fight here between Derek the Black Beast Lewis and Alexi the Boa Constrictor Olenek. Lewis is 23-7, and Olenek is 59-13-1. Uh, Lewis is the minus 185 favorite. This one is going to be really tough to call, not just because it's heavyweight. So very quickly, I'll, I'll go over the rankings here. Um, let me just scroll up here. Lewis is the number four heavyweight, according to North Star Sports. Olenek is the number 10 heavyweight. Um, this is tough because I don't know what version of Olenek I'm going to get. So Olenek's tricky, right? Because he's a vet. He's a vet. He's seen everything. He fought fucking Chael Sonnen. When did he fight Chael Sonnen? He fought Chael Sonnen back in 2006 in Bodog. Like, this guy's been around forever, obviously. I think he's been a pro since 97. He's been a pro since since I've been alive. Um, he's on a two-fight winning streak. He's 43. Now, interestingly, he weighed in at 227. I don't know what he ordinarily weighs in at. But I feel like that's a little lighter than we've typically seen Olenek weigh in at. I think I remember him weighing in at like 240, 235. Maybe, I, maybe I'm mistaken, but that feels a little lighter. And that's that's interesting. He's clearly going to have better cardio than Lewis. I mean, I know Lewis has been doing different like workouts and food stuff and, and looked a little better. But he came in pretty heavy for this fight. I think he came in at the limit. So... Presumably, Olenek's going to have the cardio. If this ground, if this fight goes to the ground, it's clearly in the favor of Olenek. If it's standing up, it's mostly in the favor of Lewis. I mean, that's how Lewis is going to win the fight. But honestly, Olenek striking is really weird. It doesn't look natural. It just kind of looks like an orangutan swinging. But I can tell you, when he fought Fabricio Verdum... He was just swinging those motherfucking arms around. And he's got 80-inch arms, so he's just got long orangutan arms. And, uh, you know, there's some there's some power behind it. I was surprised. It wasn't, it didn't look super technical. It, it looked really, really weird. But he was definitely hitting Verdum and definitely hitting him with some, uh, you know, some, some really hard punches. His win over Maurice Green kind of just squeezed him for probably eight minutes of that fight. Um... 
So I don't know what Olenek I get. Like, do I get the Olenek that gets knocked out by Overeem, you know, and kind of curls up and gives up? Maybe not get. that's probably the wrong way of putting it, but, you know, just curls up and takes a beating. Do I get the Olenek that gets knocked out in 12 seconds by Walt Harris? Or do I get the Olenek that takes you down when you're standing, hits you with some weird angled fucking, you know, cheeseburger hand punches? I don't really know. I really, I really, really want to go with Olenek on this one. I really do. Because if the fight grows, goes to the ground, it's fucking over. It's over. Olenek wins. If it's standing, it's still a little, it's still a little interesting. And what Derek Lewis do I get? You know what I mean? Do I get the Derek Lewis that gets dominated for, like, even his win over Volkov. Wow, it was a great win. Awesome win. Knocks him out viciously in the last 10 seconds. But what if he didn't? What if he fights like that against against Olenek, but doesn't have the the you know ten second knockout at the end of the fight? He would have lost that. He was losing that fight. Yeah, he won, and yeah, he had the crazy knockout. But that was still a largely bad performance by Derek Lewis. I mean, ultimately the dub is the only thing that matters. But he wasn't very wasn't a very good win. He, he, like you know what I mean? So I thought. Uh, he probably lost to Blagoy Ivanov. I thought he definitely lost to Alir Latifi. So, Lewis, in my mind, is on a four-fight losing streak. Cormier, Dos Santos, Ivanov, and Latifi. So, I don't know. Like, it's it's so maddening. Because both of these guys are, are bipolar. I don't, know, I don't know what to expect. There's good Derek Lewis, and there's bad Derek Lewis. There's good Alexi Olenek, there's bad Alexi Olenek. And then complicating it even further is that it's at heavyweight where things really can get weird with one punch, more so than any other division. So you're already in the most volatile of divisions, being the UFC's heavyweight division, and you have arguably the two most volatile bipolar fighters when it comes to their performances. So this is a real fucking conundrum. I don't know who's going to win this one. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Um... If I was if I was betting money, because Lewis was the money 185 favorite, if I was betting money, I would bet money on Olenek because I like the odds. Uh, I like the odds for Olenek. That being said, if Olenek was the minus 185 favorite, I would bet money on Lewis because I'd like the odds for Lewis. To me, this should be a pick'em or at least you know a minus 125 favorite for Lewis, and you know minus 105 favorite for Olenek. Fuck, I'm going to go with Olenek on this one. I'm going to go with Alexi Olenek. I just, I, that Alir Latifi performance, ah, that was just a real stinker. I really, really thought that he lost that fight. There were terrible judges that night. It was in his hometown. Latifi won that fight. You can't convince me that he didn't. I'm not saying it was a great fight. You don't have to fight great to win a fight. That, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you think Alir Latifi won that fight? It was boring as shit. Yeah, it was boring as shit, but it was a boring, clear victory for Latifi. I'm not saying it was a fucking... I'm not saying it was Lawler fucking Rory McDonald 2. But Latifi had, uh, like, nine minutes of fucking control. He outstruck him by, like, three or four times the number. You know what I mean? I get we're all a big fan of Derek Lewis, but that doesn't mean he wins every single round he lost because we like him. No, 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 no. Latifi for sure won that fight. It was boring as shit, but he he controlled Lewis. 
if if Derek Lewis doesn't get to do exactly what he wants to do, he's going to lose the fight. But if Derek Lewis gets to do what he wants to do, ah, he could he could finish you. He could finish you. A very real chance he finishes you. But if Derek Lewis isn't very great in the clinch, he doesn't want to be in the clinch. He wants to be out there striking in the open. He gasses out. I think Olenek, Olenek proves, even at 43, he has a pretty good gas tank versus uh, Maurice Green, you know, just kind of squeezing him for, you know, like eight minutes. So, I don't know. I, gas tank's in favor of Olenek. The ground game's in favor of Olenek. The clinch game's in favor of Olenek. Striking? Uh, fair enough. That's in favor of Lewis. But if Olenek just, just grabs him, as long as it's not them kickboxing in the wide open... I, I think I think the scenario generally is going to favor Alexi Olenek. So, again, I could be completely wrong. I could I could see a real possibility in this fight is Derek Lewis knocks out Alexi Olenek in under a minute. That's a very very real possibility because that's that's within the the skill set and the arsenal of Derek Lewis. But how probable is that? I I just don't know how probable it is. And if he doesn't knock you out in the open. I don't know, man. Is Derek Lewis going to submit you? Probably not. Is he going to ground and pound you? Probably not. He's probably going to get choked if he, if he tries to do that. So, I don't know. I'm just trying to run through the, the, the different possibilities in my brain and just, I don't know. Most most possibilities favor Olenek. So, I'm going to go Olenek by third round submission, I guess. Uh, again, I'll change my pick for the main card showdown because I don't want certain listeners out there. <clears throat> I don't want certain listeners out there poaching my fucking picks. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm gonna go Olenek probably by submission because I. It's just a really tough matchup for Lewis. You know what I mean? Like he, Lewis versus a stand-up fighter, I love his odds. But there's just certain fighters, and this is, this is true for a lot of fighters at heavyweight. A lot of heavyweight fighters don't really have a ground game, Don't aren't really good wrestlers, which is why Curtis Blades is able to run through most of the division. Curtis Blades, Alexi Olenek, and Fabricio Verdum are always going to be very, very dangerous fights for most, heavy, most heavyweights because most heavyweights really are bad on the ground. That's just how it is, man. That's just how it is. So, yeah, that's that's going to be the, the, the main card pick there. We'll go Olenek. Um... So, uh, again, just to kind of wrap up here, might not have the main card showdown podcast, but we will have the main card showdown picks. Uh, I guess I'll try to figure that out, and I'll probably make an announcement. If you see the picks announced today on the uh, on the North Stars Twitter, probably means we're just going with the, with the picks on this one. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much going to be it. Uh, new rankings will be out Sunday morning, I guess. Right after the fight, so late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, uh, UFC rankings will be out because we'll just do the rankings right after the fight. I just find that to be the the easiest thing uh, to do. Um, yeah, come back on on Monday with the show. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M N, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M I N, the Mailman at Owen the Mailman, uh, and you got to check out our website NorthStarSports.media. We got merch. Not really available for sale because uh, not the biggest demand for North Star merch, but you know potentially, potentially we might have North Star merch uh, for sale on the website. So it's interesting. I'm wearing the shirt right now. Very comfy. Very awesome. 
design. I'll probably post it on uh, on Twitter. Um, but again, that's that's our show. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.